It's happening again. Welcome to Work Cookie, a CBOT podcast. As we broadcast around the world, get bite-sized morsels and tidbits from our industrial organizational psychologists, other experts, and the latest research on the workplace to boost your organization's effectiveness. Sign up now at cboc.com. That's S-E-B-O-C.com to engage with our community, gain a sense of belonging, access our other media, and get rapid advice from our experts at cboc.com. Welcome. I'm Dr. Jeremy Lokabaugh, Industrial Organizational Psychology Consultant and Workplace Communication and Negotiation Coach. If you're in or getting into the IO psychology field and you feel a little lost in the crowd, you're looking to jumpstart your career and maybe get the answers that your degree program never gave you about what it's actually like to work as an IO psych practitioner, check out CBOC's IO Career Pathfinder membership at cboc.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast that helps us out. Also, we have Tom Bradshaw with us, a voice and speech coach and a damn good actor too. He's the official voice and speech coach for the industrial organizational psychology community. Well, hello everyone and welcome to Work Cookie, our weekly gathering of IOs, HRs, recruiters, and all of those who like to help people in business, including one actor. Uh, Here we are, Dr. Destiny, you're gonna be leading us today And we're going to talk about finding ways to show appreciation to your boss. It's lonely at the top, but it doesn't have to be. Um, (laughs) It's always lonely at the top. Um, How how do we prevent that from happening? Well, the good thing is, is we have a lot of people on the call today that could probably help answer that question. So what I wanted to do uh, is obviously start with some of the organizational leadership and organizational theory. And so organizational literature, we know that employee job satisfaction is positively influenced by overall appreciation of their manager. So with that being said, there's a lot in the in the literature about reciprocity and, you know, if they appreciate me, I appreciate them. Uh, but I don't know if that always plays out like we would hope it would. It definitely can feel lonely at the top because you, you know, have to kind of you're the, the, you're the liaison, you're the middle person between the top and the bottom. And so sometimes things can get lost in translation. And sometimes it can feel like you're just, you know, the point of failure or the point of success. And so really today we wanted to talk about that because I don't think a lot of people stop and think about maybe appreciating their boss and how we can do that and how we can, you know, be creative in that way. And it doesn't have to be like, you know, thank your boss on bosses, you know, thank a boss day or whatever. It could be something as simple as a, you know, a thank you, uh, kind of something unwritten, but something that you do for them. So excited about where this conversation goes. I'll throw literature in throughout if possible. And yeah. Well, this is really interesting to me because, you know, having been an employee, uh, there are times when I appreciate my boss and there are times when, no, I didn't appreciate my boss. Um, Dr. Ariana, let's go to you. Yeah, I love that we're bringing this topic up. I think it's great whenever we can bring compassion in, not only for employees, but also for leaders, because leaders do often experience a large amount of stress more than they usually perhaps even show the rest of their team, trying to put on a strong front. You know, the workplace isn't that great at practicing vulnerability at the moment. But I think that appreciation for your leaders is very similar for appreciation, you know, for the team, but it's just upward, right? Sometimes we even call that kind of mentality of leading up. 
So it's the same way that we can give recognition to employees doing it with our bosses. So I, I currently have a boss, a lot of us do. Um, and I, I try and do the same thing that I would want done for me. So if she refused something and gives great feedback on an executive summary, I will say, thanks so much for reviewing. I liked this point. Or if we get to the end of the week, sometimes I send a little gift, you know, like, look how much we got done this week. Have a great weekend. Anything that, you know, creates that reciprocal relationship and makes people feel valued for their contributions. Bribery. Will that work? Can we... Like, it's great if, if every business we were talking to was really highly functional, but there's like a lot of families dysfunction. Um, can we change the view of leadership with these sort of tactics? Can we change their personality? Can we make them a better boss? I, I personally have seen that myself over time that, you know, sometimes acknowledging others, whether or not it's your employees or your leaders, is a big trust building exercise. When people see that they are being seen for their work and appreciated for their work, the dynamics can shift and they can actually begin to see you more as an equal where, you know, some leaders I've even worked with in the past do have a bit of a chip on their shoulder and like my way is the best way, some of those mentalities. But when they can see that you have, you know, when they feel empowered by your recognition, when they see um, some positive changes over time and you feel like you're a reliable employee, I think that can shift the whole dynamic and move the leader-employee relationship into one that's a little more balanced. Well, now I'm hopeful. Uh, Dr. Martha, let's go to you. You know, we've talked about the challenges that managers and leaders face, not only on this podcast, but elsewhere as well. So many people are put in the roles of management or leadership and are really kind of just left to their own devices. They're, they're kind of just pushed into the um, deep end of the pool and told to swim, do the best you can. And sometimes they lack the resources and the support that they truly need. Sometimes they need training that they never receive. And if you're in middle management, you're kind of getting it from both ends, both sides. So it's so important that we not only recognize the difficulties and challenges that people in leadership positions change or face, but that we're also focusing on being genuine towards them. Just as an employee will be able to tell if you are genuine in praise or appreciation or recognition that you're giving them, or if it's just lip service. Bosses know that too. So that's that's something that really needs to be paid attention to. Don't kiss up to someone just because you either think it's going to benefit you or you think it's time to do that for their benefit. Be genuine because people can tell. And a little bit can go a long way if you really appreciate what somebody is doing or how they're working hard or how they're trying. Even if you're met with a failure, if somebody did their best, tell them that. If you appreciate their efforts, tell them that. If you want to help the cause, offer your help, ask them how you can help, how you can contribute. All of those things will go a long way. But remember to be genuine. I think that's so important. Yeah, we've all seen 
bad acting in community theater. When you see it in the office, it's a problem. Um, you talked a little bit about training. And, and yeah, we've had this discussion before where managers aren't getting trained. And, and I've seen it myself where, you know, someone's really good at their job. They're moved to a leadership position, but they don't train anybody how to lead. Um, am I, would I be smart to bring in an IO at that point? Um, or do I want to talk to somebody who's a leadership coach? But I kind of see at least part of the IO field as, as leadership. So, so what would your suggestion be with that, Dr. Martha? My suggestion would be an IO. I might be a little bit partial <laughs> being one myself, but I think that IOs have a, such a broad spectrum of talents and gifts that they can bring into an organization. That's definitely a good way to go rather than trying to figure this out or limiting yourself to someone who is strictly calling themselves um, one thing or another. I think IOs are a good option for that. Absolutely. Jeannie, let's go to you. Well, one person I had, and this occurred to me last night, and Dr. Martha, you might be able to speak to this, but what happens when an IO has helped the organization progress and trained the leader so well that they're able to do everything that an IO per se could? Do you feel like that is something that could happen and then you put yourself out of a job? Well, I think going into any situation with a fear that you're putting yourself out of a job is the wrong mindset. If you are doing it the right way, um, ideally you can train people, whatever you do, whether you're an IO or a manager or anything else, if you go into it with the idea of training someone to be self-sufficient, that's the goal. There is not a shortage of other people who need your help. And an organization, just like anything and anybody, will grow and evolve. So maybe your services aren't necessary today, but in the future, they very well might be again. And if you did a good job and didn't hold back any secrets for the fear of becoming obsolete, then they'll come back to you anyway. It, it needs to be very genuine and organic. So I think that is the goal. Make people as self-sufficient as possible, and they will probably need you for new things in the future. And if they don't, that's okay too. There's plenty of other people out there who still need your help because they're somewhere else. They're at a level that's different from this organization, and they'll appreciate whatever you can do for them. In a world of dysfunction, we need IOs uh, and lots of them. So keep them coming. Uh, Dr. Ariana. Yeah, I definitely agree with what Dr. Martha was saying. And I think that if we do a really good job, sometimes we do want, you know, the organization to become self-sufficient in that way and, you know, have their leaders be so strong that they can then train the next generation, for example. I also think that, you know, the power, the, there's a strong power in referrals. So if you do a really amazing job, most organizations are learning, you know, from peers or others in their space, or, you know, I think that the referral process when you do a really good job is somewhat natural. I'm also going to give, you know, two cents that as a past leadership consultant, I've seen people from other careers do leadership consulting very well. So I sometimes think um, IOs blend well, you know, with sometimes it's management consultants that have specialized for the last 10 years in leadership consulting. So I think that we can sometimes blend our skill sets with others from similar domains, and there can be a synergy to that as well. Yes, for all of you IOs, if you're looking to improve your leader's communication skills, talk to me. <laughs> I work very well with IOs. Um, Dr. Destiny, what else are you, have you got there for us? Yeah, so 
a few uh, mentioned reciprocity and how appreciation is a two-way street. And it really is. I think um, we we have all, we, and we've said it here too, that it can feel very lonely at the top in a way where you don't have anyone to turn to. Who do you talk to? If you vent down, you have to be cautious because it can come back and and you know be thrown back in your face. If you vent up, they might say, well, maybe this person isn't as prepared as we thought they are, or maybe they can't handle it. So there's this interesting dynamic that plays there. And so I, I found so you can find research um, not only in the books, but on you know Forbes and HBR and things like that. And there's one that says that new research shows it pays to appreciate your supervisor. When employees show their appreciation to the leaders, the leaders have more positive energy, feel appreciated, have a more optimistic outlook, life and job satisfaction, and they're helping improves. And so when the boss is happy, everyone benefits from the bottom up in the top down and it's profitable. You know, it's, it reminds me of, you know, what my dad told my husband when he married me, happy wife, happy life, right? <laughs> Same thing, right? Happy boss. I don't know, you know, it might work out really well for you. So just some food for thought as we're, we're moving the conversation forward. And sometimes you need to change your boss and sometimes you need to change your wife. Um, <laughs> let me ask you this because I, I'm a little worried that if, you know, if, everybody in the office starts praising the leader and building their ego, um, we, we could run into some issues there. So, so how do we walk that fine line? That is a great question to the group. <laughs> <laughs> well, look at that and hands are going up. Uh, Dr. Ariana, you're first on my screen. Let's go to you. You know, it will depend on the personality of the leader themselves. You know, for instance, there's a small amount of research out there that shows that a narcissistic personality can sometimes be more likely to be promoted. So I can see in like some rare cases where if they have an outsized ego already, they're going to be filtering recognition through the lens of a superiority complex. And that is possible. But I would say the majority of people, I don't think it will go that far to give them recognition. I think it's a part of human bonding. I think it's a part of like connecting on a genuine level, as Dr. Martha was saying. And if the recognition is job related and helping teams to, you know, figure out their processes better, be better at giving feedback in both directions. I, I find it unlikely that continual recognition is going to push us in a way that makes the leader you know, anything more than they're not. But I'm really interested to see what the rest of the group says as well. You know, I once saw some research on narcissistic tendencies, and I think that there was the top three that you're, you're, you're probably going to find a narcissist somewhere in this group, and it was CEOs, politicians, and actors. So <laughs> who knows? Dr. Martha, let's go to you. Dr. Thompson brings up a very important point here about personality and individual egos, right? Because there is that possibility that if you get the right person, you're just creating a monster by feeding them. But I think that if you're genuine in your appreciation and you pay attention to what it does, how it affects the leader, then you'll know whether you should continue or not. Uh, because praising someone for the sake of praising them, it loses its meaning. It, it it's useless after a while, right? Everybody catches on. People are smarter than, than you might assume and figure out that you're not genuine. Um, so don't praise for every single thing. It's like, you know, the kids who get a gold star for doing nothing but showing up. Well, what did you do to achieve that gold star? It has to be 
warranted. It has to be genuine. And it's, it's, it makes me think of the um, intermittent schedule of reinforcement. When you try to reinforce a behavior, you don't give a reward every single time. You have to keep them guessing. That is what produces the strongest association to get you that that behavior. So it's along those lines. Don't just give out gold stars for the sake of giving out gold stars just because you got them at wholesale for bulk quantity. Be genuine and be discerning with it. And then watch what happens. If you're getting some negative effects, you're creating a monster that you didn't intend to, maybe pull back and save those praises for someone else. How do you deal with someone who is uncomfortable with positive <laughs> reflection. I, you know, uh, as an actor, it took me years to get comfortable with people telling me they enjoyed my performance uh, for whatever reason in my makeup. But, you know, I was one of those actors that would hide in the dressing room on opening night as long as I could before I went out to the reception because I just got so uncomfortable with people going, I really liked your performance. Um, and, you know, I had to, that, that took some work. So how do we deal with leadership that may not be comfortable with positive reinforcement? Well, you really have to pay attention to the response that you get. I think there are so many people amongst us. As soon as you receive a compliment of some sort or recognition of some sort, instead of simply saying thank you, you come up with an excuse. That was nothing. Oh, here's what else I did wrong. Or this is so common that people do that without even realizing it. So first of all, if you are the person that is recognizing someone else, Pay attention to how they're receiving your praise or your compliment or your uh, reinforcing whatever they did right. And then, you know, you can try to adjust it. Don't don't try to let's say somebody is uncomfortable. Don't throw them a surprise party that's going to embarrass them and make them have a heart attack in front of everyone. Maybe it's a one on one conversation. I really appreciate the work you did on this or I really appreciate how you address this. And if they're still uncomfortable, try to feel your way around that. You know, I would say don't stop to recognize someone because at that point, then you're both missing out. But certainly pay attention to what is the least uncomfortable way of recognizing them for them and then keep recognizing them for their good work. Many thanks from all the introverts out there. Uh, Linda Ann, let's go to you. I just want to bring up this situation that that sometimes exists with uh, companies who are going through a point of disengagement with their employees. And I've been in situations where people said, well, let's go ahead and do X, Y, or Z to show appreciation for leadership and so forth. And there was a lot of pushback. They did not feel that they were appreciated. And so therefore, they didn't really... Um, weren't enthused about expressing that for the leadership. So how, 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 I mean, is that, is that simply an observation or do you have a solution to the problem? We don't have enough time in this session. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you're right on that. Um, <laughs> Dr. Destiny, next week's topic. Um, <laughs> Laura, let's go to you. I'm just noticing a lot of the conversation is about um, appreciating the boss through praise and through recognition and kind of verbal communication or written communication, acknowledging work being done. Um, but what what else can you do from, 
from the employee, from a subordinate standpoint, you don't have the opportunity or the uh, organizational power to be like, you've been great this week. You should leave early, boss. We can't say that. We can't give those things, which are a lot of the things that we talked about last a few weeks ago, whenever we talked about employee appreciation, all my weeks are blending together. So when we talked about appreciating employees a few weeks ago, we, we talked about different things, but from that leadership down where you have an organizational power to give that. So I'm just kind of throwing it out to the group as an employee and a subordinate, other than praise and verbal and written recognition, offering to throw a party if they're comfortable with it. What else can we do to provide appreciation to bosses? That's a great question. Uh, Linda Ann, let's go to you and then Dr. Martha. In thinking about this this morning, I was um, there are ways that <clears throat> employees can do that by advocating for their, their bosses. And basically, when an employee has a positive feedback, if there was a component that your leader contributed to your success in that um, situation, uh, you can say, you know, if so-and-so whoever that boss is or whatever, was really helpful in me being able to do that. So there's ways that you can really recognize and advocate for your uh, boss just in general passing, you know, and and really lift them up because they're doing a good job with you. (laughs) It kind of sounds like maybe we should have titled this, be nice to your boss. Um, Just be kind to everybody. Dr. Martha, let's go to you. You know, one thing that you can do is go over their head. Everybody's probably considered at some point, even if you haven't engaged in it, going over your boss's head at, you know, for whatever, maybe for a complaint. But you could go over their head with praise. You could talk to the powers that be. You could talk to their boss and express your appreciation. And, you know, it could be as simple as an email. If you don't have access to have an actual in-person conversation to the right person, it could be something as simple as an email. I wanted to give an example of something that I did as an employee. This was a number of years ago. My boss's boss was kind of mad about something and it was my boss's fault, but my boss's boss thought it was my fault. And he was kind of irritated with me. So my boss had a conversation with me and offered to explain how it wasn't my fault. It was his fault. He was late on something. He missed something, dropped the ball. And this is why the situation is what it is. And I finished listening to this thing he was proposing to do. And I said, well, that's great, but I don't want you to do any of it. It is better for the team that your boss thinks that I'm an idiot than if you thinks that you're an idiot. So let sleeping dogs lie and leave it alone. And I know that in that small act, it didn't hurt me. I wasn't about to get fired. But in that small act, it showed my boss at the time that I can think beyond myself, that I can think in terms of the well-being and welfare of the whole team and my boss at the same time. So little acts of consideration and kindness like that can go a long way. Uh, Yeah, they certainly can. And, you know, as as we're transitioning into a new work environment, it it really seems the focus is on team. So if we, if we focus on making the team the best and making sure that everybody knows how important they are, are we going to avoid a lot of these issues? Well, I think so. I, you know, we keep talking about this big change and we're all learning. It's, 
it's different for everybody at every level of an organization. So I think the key here is to just embrace it for what it is and learn together, be a little more gentle and lenient with one another, because just as maybe you're feeling confused or you made a mistake because you just don't know what to do in this new way of doing things, the same could apply for someone else. So if we just try to figure it out together, I think it'll be a lot less painful in the end. That's one thing I'm noticing is that there is no one size fits all for how we're going to be working in the future. There's no manual out there that's really accurate. And every organization has to take the time to develop their own way of doing things. Um, Once again, we need IOs for that. (laughs) Dr. Ariane, let's go to you. Yeah, one point that was kind of just mentioned is also this idea of when mistakes are made. And I've actually found that specifically a big, you know, moment, both in organizations in general, we actually add questions like that into organizational culture surveys, like, are you do you feel comfortable making this being able to make mistake at work? But also, I think we all have bosses that make equal mistakes that we do. So you know, there's times I make mistakes at work, it could be errors combining data sets, you know, like mistakes do happen. But Sometimes our bosses make mistakes and when we can help them through it, when we can be an advocate for them, when we can let it go and not make it be a big deal, I think that can be a powerful moment. So it's really related to what you're saying. How do we come together as people and as a team and help create that psychological safety for all parties involved? I do think also the point that was mentioned a bit back now when Linda Ann was speaking around There might be times, too, when leaders are so toxic that, you know, you kind of do have to create that psychological distance. So I would say, you know, hopefully in ideal state, this is like 20% of all leaders that you'll engage with. And sometimes they're just like a little more challenging, but a little bit of work, you know, and recognition goes a long way. But, you know, I think it's also fair to say that there's a few leaders out there where, you know, keeping your distance is also fair. How do you deal with a situation, you know, this is just something, you know, that I've, I've seen where the leader is, the team leader is, is really positive. They're a great person. They've made a decision, which has split the team and half the team agrees with the leadership that we should move in this direction. But the other half of the team is going, no, this is the wrong decision and they're not being listened to. If I start to use, you know, praising my boss, um, or going to them going, you know, this is a really difficult decision for you. I know that. And blah, blah. Is, is that going to help? Can that bring unity back to the team? You know, from my perspective, um, I say I, I think that the leaders hold a role for a reason. And there are times when leaders make a decision that the team is not going to agree with. There are times my leaders make decisions that I don't agree with. So I think it's important actually not to praise in this situation, kind of like what Martha, Dr. Martha has been saying is this isn't about praise. You know, it's not about, you know, bolstering their ego. It's about giving real recognition when there are opportunities. But then on the other side, sometimes you build trust through your honesty. So if you say, I actually disagree with this decision for X, Y, Z reason, and I respect your decision as a leader and I will follow behind your decision as a leader once you make the decision but just so you know I would do it in this way then they know they're the leader they make the decision and if you become a leader one day you can make a different decision. Dr. Martha let's go to you. 
One of the challenges of being in a leadership position is that you're going to have to make decisions that others don't agree with or that make other people unhappy, aside from politicians who promise everything to everybody. But in the real world, we know that you cannot possibly please every single person. Even if you have a team of two, there's going to be a time when they're split. So that's part of the challenge of being in a leadership position. So you have to be like Dr. Thompson said, be honest about it. This is the decision. I've considered all the options. I realize that not everybody agrees, but this is where we're going. So please come along. And hopefully this is how people will know to support their manager in that I don't have to agree with you, but I trust you enough to follow you to where you are leading us until it becomes a disaster. You have to be able to give some trust to that leader. And that's a way of supporting them. Yeah, it certainly is. Laura, let's go to you. I was going to agree with everyone about the idea of voicing that you disagree with a decision or you had hoped for it to go a different way, but demonstrating like Dr. Martha mentioned earlier that you can think strategically and you can think above and beyond yourself and move with the decision that the leader has made. But I don't think giving a praise necessarily would, would be positive in that realm, but maybe you don't agree with the decision, but you like some other aspects that they've done in terms of the project or whatever and giving that praise. And I was going to throw in the random not random, but less IOE research of the Gottmans and their relationship experts on marriage and, and positive relationships. And I can't, I don't remember the numbers because I didn't look it up before I started speaking, but you need so many positives to counter the negatives. So you have to remember that anytime you're going to try to like increase positive communication to counter a negative mood or feeling, you need a lot more of them than you need your negative. So that was my two cents. <laughs> I should have been talking to you 20 years ago. Uh, Ladan, let's go to you. Yeah, I just want to uh, reiterate and, and support what Dr. Martha and Laura were saying is, and, and that is, you know, when leadership needs to make a decision and they, then they're communicating that decision to the rest of the um, company or the team or so, I think as leaders, it's really important to communicate your decision-making process. You know, we evaluated this, we came up with that, we were struggled with X, Y, or Z, and we came up with this decision, and here is why. And so I think it's a if you don't disagree, if you don't agree with a particular decision, understanding the process and the why makes it so much easier to swallow and support. Right. You understand that, that you don't have to necessarily agree with anything. But as uh, Dr. Martha said, you you trust their they're paying being paid the big bucks for a reason. Right. They have some insight into something. Um, and sometimes it's just an executive decision. You know, if it's a split kind of situation. So but I think it's really important that that when information like that is communicated, it's the whole story is communicated. And when you disagree, when you have a concern about that decision, it's important to not just say, well, I don't agree with that. It's important to say, and it, and it helps you because it shows your strategic thinking or your analytic thinking or whatever. If you say, you know, I'm concerned about that, or I don't really um, think that's the best direction to go in because of X, Y, and Z, and here's why. And they understand that you disagree, but, and, it, and having your 
perspective on it may even help them with managing you through the process. So I think completing those conversations, those communications is a, an important piece of that process. I've heard the term sacred knowledge that there's, you know, really we're not sharing the information with everybody who needs to have the information that there's, you know, it's almost like, you know, on a need to know basis and leadership often doesn't share the information with those people who it's going to affect, or even, you know, ask them their opinion at times. So do you think we need much more, much more openness on decision-making and that, you know, it's not a bad thing to engage with those people that's going to affect. I'm directing that back to you, Linda Ann. I think it's, I think it's important to communicate. You don't have to give all the details, but you understand the process and the, and the thought process. Um, and it shows a respect for them. That's way to build trust. I respect you as a person. And I understand, I know that you understand this instead of, you know, we used to call people being mushrooms, right? being kept in the dark and <laughs> I need that sound effect button. Uh, Dr. Martha, let's go to you. I think it's important to remember that times are changing and gone are the days where do as I say, simply because I'm at a, I have a certain title, I'm in a certain position within an organization that is gone. People are not enthused about that. Even if they follow along out of having no choice or feeling that they have no choice, there's not going to be much of a relationship there established. So like Linda Ann said, you may not be able to divulge every single detail, but give your audience, your, your team enough so that they understand this is what's happening. This is what where we're going. These are the decisions that will have to be made. And be honest, if there are things that you simply cannot share with them. Say, there are some things I can't tell you, but this is what I can tell you. And I think that goes a long way. People will appreciate that. Treat them like adults, right? You're, you're not the king and they're not your peasants. That's gone. That's over with. You have to have a different way of approaching people. It goes back to respect, treating people like adults, and having that mutual trust and respect in that, um, in that exchange. Dr. Ariana, let's go to you. I completely agree. I think we're moving into a new era of more radical transparency, where also that involves a high level of organizational information sharing. And I think new technologies are making this more accessible, you know, really put it, taking away a lot of the guardrails that used to exist in people's understanding of what's going on in the organization and also getting that communication from the leaders as well. And I think also, this has been a theme in some of our conversations, but bringing in values and purpose into your decision-making, how, how leaders use organizational values to make their decisions, as well as how their decision ties into the mission of the organization. And I think that some of the biggest decision points are also the greatest opportunities for inspiration. You know, we've talked many times about how change is hard or it depends, you know, some things like organizational layoffs, those are always going to be very, very challenging. Um, but other types of decisions that organizations can use, they can be like, look, this is going to be an overhaul of XYZ, but here's why we need it. Here's how everyone's going to get involved. And here's how it's going to transform our organization. And like, we are evolving. Let's see what's next for us. So really bringing in the employees, especially for the decisions that impact them, 
and make them feel like they're a part of the growth rather than, you know, just another organizational change that they don't understand the why behind. Uh, Dr. Destiny, let me ask you this because, you know, great information is being shared here. And, you know, even if your company is not dysfunctional, uh, there's lots of great advice in these podcasts from the IO and HR community. And if I'm an employee in an organization that I'm sitting here going, I'm listening to all you and the picture you're painting is the world I want to work in. How do I convince my employer that we need to bring in an IO? Do I first have to educate them on what an IO is? I don't know if that's necessarily their role uh, to educate, but to maybe suggest something along the lines of there are professionals out there that bring a different framework or bring different sets of evidence points with them that maybe we haven't tried or maybe we should consider or, you know, maybe even, yes, directing them to the podcast or to different, you know, sites that kind of give more information there are lots of interesting things populating now in the field, particularly based on a lot of the trendy things that we've talked about in the past that we're talking about now. So, and a lot of them have been developed and implemented and designed by IO people and professionals. And so it's another point you could say, like, you know, go find the source of where it came from and show that that could be something that could be, you know, valuable in that organization. So I don't think it's anybody's job except our own to really educate what IO is, because a lot of times we want to insert our own value proposition into that definition. And we want to like, you know, secure our spot in that potential opportunity. So not to say that that's why we're here, but yeah, we, we, that's why we're here. We want to make an impact personally and professionally. So, but to know where the resources stand and to know how to kind of approach or broach a conversation is probably the best place to be as an employee. Yeah, going back to our marriage, um, <laughs> suggesting that you see a marriage counselor to your spouse could go one of two ways. So you you need to be able to do it in a way that you're not sleeping in the doghouse. Um, Linda Ann, enough about me. Let's go to you. Well, <clears throat> in addition to um, what Dr. Destiny said, I think that it's important that if you as an employee want to communicate the value of bringing someone from the outside in. One way to do that is to have a particular problem identified and this, you know, whether the, the, the organization is aware of, of a particular problem that they want to solve and then help them understand this is a possible solution and, um, and connect it to, it was really important what Dr. Ariana said about connecting all of these things to purpose and values. And when you can do that and show them especially if it's the way they operate their business, where they communicate that this is how our decisions are made. And that's the value in having a really clear purpose is it makes decision-making easy. Um, but when you present something, put it in that context, the context that they value. And so helping them see that this is going to contribute to accomplishing the purpose and it adheres to the values is also a helpful way of, of bringing it to the table. Dr. Marth, let's go to you. Well, I agree with Dr. Destiny in that it's not the employee's job to market us and our services. At the same time, IOs don't have a spidey sense. We don't have any supernatural powers that can zoom in on that one particular employee who's wishing upon a star that their organization was something akin to what we're talking about here during these podcasts. So I think that there is a time and a place where an employee can introduce the idea, maybe start with a podcast, 
right? Start with, uh, hey, there's a podcast they listen to and they have some really good ideas. I don't know if you've tried it out. You know, there are many ways of approaching the issue. So rather than sitting quietly hoping that an IO will find you, be proactive. I, I would advise that to anybody, but be tactful. Don't get yourself in the doghouse. Don't say you need, you know, bring this uh, consultant in or I walk. Have some, you know, some, some uh, gentle approach about this. And um, it could end up as a beneficial um, exchange for the organization, the employee and the manager. Yeah, it, it's a it's a difficult road to cross, and and I think most employees will want to get involved, you know, unless they've been beaten down so many times that they've just stopped trying. Um, how you know we can praise our leaders, and and for the most part, I'm going to assume that you know most leadership out there is at least trying to do a good job. Uh, with so many changes, it's I mean, it's got to be a, a tough road for managers. Plus, they've been ignored for so long; they don't. You know, they, they weren't getting great training before the pandemic um, on leadership. But how do you deal with a situation where, you know, leadership is getting pressure from the top down um, and they're also getting pressure from the bottom up? You know, and there's there's something that, you know, people upstairs want to see changed. The leadership has gone. This is the way we're going to change it. But the frontline employees who actually have to deal with the issue are going, uh, yeah, that's not going to work. Um, how do we navigate that type of situation? You know, it all goes back to communication and having the ability to view a situation through somebody else's perspective. Oftentimes, people at the top have no idea what goes on in the trenches. They look at the numbers, things get done. Maybe they get alerted when there's an issue, when things don't get done. But how many people in leadership positions really know? what goes on in the everyday. Many years ago, I had a boss. um, Well, he was my boss's boss. He was the owner of the company. And he came into my office with a question and sat down next to me as I was doing whatever needed to be done on the computer to find the answer. And at the end, this was such a funny experience for me. At the end, he looked at me and he said, I wouldn't know how to do any of this. Thanks for working so hard and making me rich. That's kind of a funny thing, but I said, you're welcome. And that was, <laughs> that was the exchange, but that just goes to show you, he was being genuine with me. He does not know the, everything, every job everybody does, nor is that realistic for him to know. That's why there are other people there. But if you want to, as a leader, to be able to really understand what's going on, you have to listen, you have to ask questions, whether it's through middle management. Hey, if we propose this, how would that go over? How feasible is that? Maybe it's a matter of put your feelers out there, ask the people, get some ideas. If we were to make this change or this radical whatever, how would that affect everybody on the floor? Right. So you can't just sit in the ivory tower, dream up these things, make a decision and be completely clueless to what's going on with every other department within that organization. You have to have some clue. Doesn't mean to that you need to know everybody's job, but you really have to be in touch to some degree. That's why you have other people get the information from them. 
You know, if if leadership would spend more time on the factory floor, uh, you know, they would actually get more praise from those employees because they would feel much more like you understand what we're going through here. So I think leadership has to get much more involved. Um, Destiny, what would your advice be to, to leadership who who kind of would, would embrace the notion that, yes, I need to get more involved with my, I actually need to know my employees. I need to actually, you know, know their, their first name. You know, you know it's not just a, a, a signature on a paycheck. How, you know, what, what is the role as, as leadership transitions, what is that role that they have to play to really sort of become part of the team? It's interesting you should ask that because coming from the military background, (laughs) a lot of people in the military would say that the best leaders are the ones who are willing to get their hands dirty with them, right? And that's how, in fact, that's one of the main concepts of training in the military and leadership is that you do go get your hands dirty and your boots wet with the soldiers and the service members. Because that's not only where you learn about them, that's where you hear about everything that's happening. That's where you, you know, you really get that like one-on-one kind of pulled aside, you know, yes, it can lead you down a rabbit hole (laughs) potentially, but that's why you have to really, you know, it's about the boundaries that you set in those spaces, but it's so important because that is the true way of really knowing your people because they're talking about their family. They're talking about what they did over the weekend. They're talking about the trouble they got into that nobody knew about. They're talking what happened on the blotter, you know, like all these things are happening in the, this, and that's how people get to know things. So if you feel a little bit nervous or resistant to the, to the idea of being involved in a way where you're kind of on the same level as your employees, think about all of the insight that you're going to gain. And that it's a mutual respect aspect that kind of goes into that. And that's where the trust is built. That's where the respect is built. And that's where people, I can tell you for sure that my best leaders in the military were the ones who were doing things by my side. And it's because I, and I trusted them and I stood up for them and I advocated for them when things didn't go so nicely. So yeah, you might not like getting your hands dirty, but it's important. Yeah. You know, if you're that type of leader, when you get promoted, um, it's easy to know who's the person to promote to take your place. Uh, Dr. Ariana, let's go to you. Yeah, I love that conversation. I think whenever possible, that's an excellent idea. And then you can let people actually talk to you about their real concerns or might become obvious to you some of the solutions that they've been yelling up the pipeline about, you know, that they're like, you're like, okay, maybe I can make this actionable. I see that we're only providing extra small and extra large uniforms. Maybe we should provide a medium. I've seen that in real situations. But I think there are other organizations where they are simply too large to learn everyone's name. And that's kind of, I don't know if it's a sad reality or just a reality. Um, But I think in that case, I think that we need to continue to learn about biases in our society. So just like with diversity, equity, and inclusion, it's really important to understand implicit biases around race and ethnicity or gender, for example. In the space of leadership, we often see when we look at, you know, I do a lot of ethical culture work. So looking at culture across organizations and what we call it is the leadership disconnect, where leadership's perception of different cultural elements, such as leadership modeling, um, trust, there is, it's like a much rosier perception at the leadership level. 
So even knowing that, you know, your perception is likely rosier than the reality is sometimes hard to acknowledge. But, you know, once you can understand that you likely have this bias, you can take action to whatever it is, do an assessment to see how your organization scores or, you know, (laughs) excuse me, whatever that is. Um, And one other thing that I think is interesting is that when you're in a leadership position, kind of related to the praise part of our conversation, you're more likely to get positive feedback from the people around you, but it's sometimes simply because you're a leader. But, you know, being the humans that we are, having the egos that we do, you know, we can take it as a personal, like, oh, I'm so great and that's why I'm a leader rather than I'm a leader and therefore people are giving me positive feedback. So just being aware of the different biases that might be present as a leader in organization can go a long way. Yeah, I I guess we shouldn't forget that most people want to be liked and want to like other people. Uh, Jeannie, let's go to you. Well, I think there's some to be said, a lot to be said about what Dr. Destiny said about getting in the trenches. You know, there's a Toyota, Kata does a lot of watch and then do and being able to see what someone is doing and being able to duplicate or ask questions and really get to know uh, what that employee is doing. And I think a lot of leaders mistake getting to know an employee compared to getting to know the tasks that an employee has to do. Um, Continuous improvement uh, specialties, there's a lot of organized change management principles that actually include the team in um, such decisions like, um, well, what are the barriers? What, what things do you come across that need, you need different processes or different things? So having a leader involved in understanding really what the barriers are and how to improve those processes can go a long ways to having employees appreciate their leaders and building that strong, cohesive team. Well said. Laura, let's go to you. So one thing that Destiny brought up with the getting your hands dirty and leadership going down to their to their people that reminded me, and I cannot remember the name of it, but the Air Force has a pr- program, and I forget if it's profession of arms or some sort of professional development, and it gives the leadership advice and it gives different tactics. So like doing a walking meeting and things like that and different tactics and strategies leadership can do to still engage with their people and get communication and obviously going down to your people and getting your hands dirty is one thing. Another thing that I really appreciated is doing the reverse. So having your subordinates come up to you and they can shadow you for the day. And I've seen that and it was a maintenance squadron commander. So these are the people who are on, on the aircraft, literally getting their hands dirty, turning wrenches and he had he had airmen who had less than five years Air Force experience come shadow him as a commander. And this is a huge squadron of, I want to say, about 300 people. So very huge network, very little chance that this airman was ever going to talk one-on-one with that commander in any capacity. And to get to shadow the leader around for the day and see the kind of meetings and the kinds of conversations he has And I think that was a really valuable way that he opened himself up to his subordinates that maybe wouldn't normally interact with him and to show what it's like in a very different side of the squadron and the operational end. Um, And I I don't know how that necessarily could fit in with the appreciation conversation, but I think it 
it certainly helped those individuals who got to participate in the shadowing have an appreciation for their boss and that level of work and what it looks like by opening the door and allowing people to see like behind the curtain. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Uh, we're getting close on time. So Linda Ann, let's go to you. And then Dr. Destiny, will come back to you to wrap it up. I can't support enough the concept of shadowing. I've done it and, and led it in a couple of different environments. And it always has remarkable impact. So any opportunity where you can have people trade positions or shadow, um, even if it's just for an hour or two or three, it's the the time is very very well spent and the return on investment is is almost always there so i would encourage people whenever they see an opportunity especially when there's discord or there's a problem to do that because that's one way to give different perspective and see um you know an empathy in, in those um the other thing too i used to communicate to people I would work with was you know i i don't ask you to do anything that i wouldn't do or i haven't done and to get down there and and do whatever it is with them. And part of that comes from <laughs> when I was young, I had a job, summer job where I sorted rotten eggs. So there's not much um, <laughs> else that you can have me do that would be a worse opportunity. But <laughs> um, it's important for people to understand that. And when you're down there next to them, you know, it might not be the thing that you love and it might not even be the thing that they love doing. But to thank them for doing them, doing it for you or with you um, is a great opportunity to show that appreciation to the team. And if it's something they do really well and you're there with them, but you're, you suck at it, let them know, thank you for doing this because I can't do this very well. And that makes you more vulnerable and um, helps you bring in that, that authenticity and that trust. Uh, once again, great advice in this show. Uh, Destiny, we're going to break a little early this week because there's an event coming up in five minutes, a workshop. You want to talk about that a little bit? So everyone who's listening on the recording can go, oh, I missed it. Oh, you missed it. But guess what? The recording will be available on CBOX site afterwards. So the upcoming event workshop right after this is Employee Engagement and Appreciation Initiatives for Your Workplace. So as we're talking through, we're going to give you some methodology, some considerations uh, for that. And then we have uh, the IO Career Pathfinder CBOC group meetup tomorrow, led by Megan Malone. On Tuesday, we have the CBOC Members Momentum Session, and that will be the last event for the month of November because of the holiday. So we will be putting all of our podcast uh, episodes and themes up for December in the next week or two. So thank you for joining us this month. And with that, I think we should wrap it up so that everyone can take a quick break and then we'll see you on another screen. All right. Thanks, everyone. Once again, this has been Work Cookie. It's been absolutely fantastic. And we'll see you again sometime in the future. Thanks for listening to this episode of Work Cookie, a Seabock podcast. Don't forget to sign up at seabock.com. That's S-E-B-O-C.com to engage with our community, gain a sense of belonging, access our other media, and get rapid advice from experts. Would it be a bad idea to make your most challenging workplace problems go away? Don't forget to check out our corporate, career boost, recruiter, and even student memberships at seabock.com.